This sermon is titled Faith in Science Part 4 Creator God Be enriched as you listen Before we get into God's word today uh, I just want to share a testimony something that, uh, uh, a testimony that came in by email on the 17th of September So Here's a person who shares a testimony about a contract coming back to our company. So he mentions uh, last Sunday, September 11th. So he's talking about the September 11th uh, Sunday service at APC Central uh, during the final prayer time. Uh, you had a word of knowledge about a contract returning back. Uh, so he sent uh, his company had quoted for a contract two months prior, uh, and. Uh, while it things seemed very enthusiastic initially uh it just everything went silent and so while this word was being released um he remembered about that contract uh, and then he he wasn't sure whether it was specifically for him but uh he prayed and uh, he felt the lord put, putting in his heart that this was about that particular contract and so he just uh, received that the next day that's on monday the 12th of september he received a phone call from that company uh, this was you know two months later uh, asking for them to quote again and uh, you know by the end of that week on friday they received the purchase order they had the contract in hand and so he just says you know how god speaks and it is done god commands and it's established he says i thank and praise god uh, all glory to the lord jesus christ for this miracle so just excited uh, you know how god can minister god moves by his spirit and he ministers even in these things so you know we welcome you to share your testimony today is supernatural sunday at the end of the service again we're going to pray we're going to minister and wherever you are i want to encourage you to expect the lord to touch you if you need healing expect the lord to touch you uh, if you need deliverance expect the lord to touch you uh, if you need god's intervention in a, in a in a life situation and in this case in the testimony that was just shared in a business situation i uh, expect the lord to do that for you and today as we pray the god god of this universe is going to move in your life and my life and he's going to do wonderful things and of course we'd love to hear from you if you can take a few moments to share your testimony send an email to us uh, it'll be great all right we've been uh, the last several weeks we've been doing a series on faith and science um Uh, this is not normally what we talk about all the time now we don't always talk about science uh, this is so it's a little slightly different from the norm the norm is we just teach and minister directly from the word of god and we establish uh, god's people in god's truth uh, but we also need to address this area uh, of faith and science uh, especially you know uh because of the things that are being taught in school and in college uh, many young people get very confused you know they hear something from the word of god or in church and then they go to school they go to college or uh, the information that's available online now uh, can seem very confusing and uh, tend to draw people away from the truth of god's word and so we need to respond to that we need to give a biblical uh, response to uh such things and so uh we've intentionally uh, 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 uh we are intentionally addressing these things uh, in this um uh short sermon series so we began in part 1 we talked about you know can science explain it all uh then in part 2 we talked about the six days of genesis uh explaining how each one of those days are literal days in which god created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it and god did it and we answered some questions along those lines last sunday uh it was a little bit more heavy on the science side we talked about uh, origins of the cosmos uh we dealt with one of the most common theories of how the universe came into existence and then a response to that uh, uh, uh letting us know that you know Uh, this theory is not something that you just that should be embraced blindly there are lots of questions and uh, and so uh, it, it's so much easier uh, and it's more uh, you know the word of god is something that we can establish and be established on today we want to talk about another very important aspect which is about creator god and we want to address this very basic question is there a creator god uh and was the universe created 
Is there a creator God? Is, is there a God who created everything? Was the universe created? Now, uh, we can, of course, look at or, or respond to this question uh, from several di different angles. Now, we can look at it from a theological point of view, just quote chapter and verse from the Bible and say, this is what the Bible says. Or we can look at it from a philosophical perspective, looking at life and reason and logic and respond to that from a philosophical point of view. We can look at it from a scientific, evidence-based observation-based uh, view and respond to it based on what we actually see in science or what science observes in nature. Uh, we can also look at it or respond to this question from a spiritual perspective, uh, sharing uh, from a now, from a, an a spiritual, a spiritual uh, things that we know about the spiritual realm and the reality of it in response to this question. And lastly, of course, there can be a very subjective response uh, based on an individual's experience. We call it an experiential response. Somebody says, I saw God or I had an encounter with him. And, and you know, it's a very personal subjective, but nonetheless very real. Because when you have an encounter with God, Nobody can take that away. So there are many different ways in which we can respond to this question. Is there a creator God? And was this universe created? And uh, uh, in, our, in, our, in the message today, we're kind of trying to bring all of these together. right? So we are not going to look at it purely from one of these, but we're going to look at it in a combined, bring a combined response to this question. And so here's what I want to I want to present to us and which something that we can present to someone else who asks us this question. Is there a God? Is there a creator God? And did God create this universe? Was this universe created? Number one, we can talk about the very existence of the universe. Creation attests to a creator. The very fact that there is a universe at all. Why is there something rather than nothing? The fact that there is something would lead us to logically conclude that there is a God. And the logic is pretty straightforward. Can something, which is very evident, which is there, unquestionable, can something come out of nothing? And we talk about the fact that there is a universe and the logic is simple. Every effect has to have a cause. You know, right now standing here, suppose a ball came flying into this place and somebody said, well, it just happened by itself. None of us would believe that because very simple logic, that effect of a ball flying across here had to have a cause. Somebody had to have caused it. Maybe, you know, someone, one of these students here, they threw a ball at the preacher. No, just joking. <laughs> uh, maybe they threw a ball. Or maybe somebody was playing a game of cricket and they, you know, the batsman hit the ball this side or somebody threw the ball. So there had to be a cause for this effect. None of us would accept a statement that it just happened by itself. Because a simple logic, every effect, has to have a cause. So we see the effect, a grand universe, a universe. It is there, it's observable, it's unquestionable. And therefore, the question we ask is, the universe had to have a cause for it to come into being. What is that which caused the universe to come into being? That's the question. So, in response to that, we will ask additional questions. Can just mathematical models and uh, mathematical uh, laws cause a universe to come? Can science, science information, scientific theory itself cause the universe to come? The answer to both these questions is obviously no, because mathematical models are, or science, scientific information is just a attempt to study what is already there, understand what is already there, try and explain what is already there. None of these, neither the mathematical models or scientific information, are actually giving rise to the universe. They're only studying the universe that is already there. And so that leads us to 
uh, you know, a, a, a conclusion. And I just like to quote the words of uh, Dr. William Lane Craig, who's a Christian philosopher and apologist. He says, amazing as it may seem, the most plausible answer to the question of why something exists rather than nothing is that God exists. In other words, the most plausible answer to this question is because God is. There is a God who created. He was the cause for this effect of such a great universe that we see. And the Bible says emphatically in the very first verse of the, of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is the cause for all of this. And, you know, really the belief that something spontaneously came from nothing with no external agency, is not, not, it's not only counterintuitive, it's also irrational, it's absurd. But so many people believe that when they will not believe, apply that same logic to so many other things, they are willing to apply that to the creation of the existence of this universe uh, to eliminate or try to eliminate God. Number two, why do we say that there is a God and a creator who created this universe? Number two, we see a universe where there is design. Design calls for a designer. You know, when we look around everywhere, way out in outer space and look at the cosmos and the, the universe and we look into everything that's around us here on the planet, into nature and all these amazing things, we see intelligence, we see design. Nothing is chaotic, nothing is random, nothing is in disorder. There is so much of order. There is so much of intelligence. Even Albert Einstein is, is known to have remarked that the most incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it is compre comprehensible. The fact that you can actually look at all these things and see design, see intelligence is shocking. And you know, you and I understand this. If I were to hold up a mobile phone here, and I, and I didn't bring my phone, but if I just told you that this mobile phone, this smartphone, came into existence by some spontaneous process, or even an accidental process because of huge, you know, occurrences, and it was just self-organized, you know, somehow those chips emerged out of silica, the dust of the earth, and they just, all the wiring, the circuitry in those chips came together, and then somehow the software just assembled itself on the hardware, and you know, everything just came together over a period of 14 billion years, the smartphone emerged, you would immediately send me to the mental asylum. You wouldn't think twice about it. But you know, that's the kind of theory and talk highly educated people want to convince us with. Just to say that everything spontaneously emerged and all of this design intelligence that we are seeing all around us just self-organized through some accidental process without the hand of a powerful creator. So we just have to ask these questions. Can chance produce intelligence? Can accident result in purpose? Can non-life create life? Can chaos produce order? And we're talking about such great design that we see, you know, and we can just conclude that the belief that chaos birthed all of this design, all of this great order is not only counterintuitive, but it is irrational, it is absurd. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19, The Lord founded the earth by wisdom. He established the heavens by understanding. In other, words, it, in other words, it took the wisdom of Almighty God. It took the understanding of such a great God to bring the earth and all that is in it and the great universe into existence. It didn't happen spontaneously by some process of accident and self-organization. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 2, It is He, that is God, who made the earth by His 
power who established the world by wisdom and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. God's wisdom, God's understanding is what brought the earth together and the entire universe in place. No questions. Number three, what else do we see? What else can we point to? We can point to the fine-tuning of the universe. Precision speaks of purpose. So not only is there great grand design in the universe, but there is tremendous precision that shocks us, that astounds the, the most intelligent uh, scientists. And I want to just mention a few here. These are you know, thoughts that we could submit to support both the second point about grand design and this third point about the fine-tuning of this universe or, or of, of, of this universe to support life on earth. What, what are some of the things we can point to? There is amazing precision in the constants of nature. When we look at nature, we study all of this around us. There is Amazing precision in various physical constants that we see. And, and even the slightest change in the value of these physical constants would terminate life. Life would not be possible on this universe without these constants. And... Uh, this fine-tuning of this universe just demands an explanation. How did all of these physical constants take on these precise values and maintain themselves at these precise values so that life could exist here on this one planet? How could that happen? So commonly uh, and scientifically, this is referred to as the anthropic principle, which simply means that all of these constants have these precise, in physics, have these precise values and these values are needed in order to life, in order for life to exist. So it's just that the principle is these values need to be precisely this so that life can take place. They're not explaining why it is there. It is not known why these constants are at those values. But the principle states they need to be at those values so that life can Exist. The question we have to ask is, was all these just purely coincidence? For example, think of, of gravity, the force of gravity. We are all aware of that. And this force of gravity is so amazing that, you know, if we had to uh, create a dial, spread it across the two ends of this, this universe, however big that is, and have, a, you know, small increments of one inch increments on a dial like that. And if we were to move the setting of gravity by just one inch, just one inch on this vast scale, if you were to move the dial, increase gravity, change gravity by just one inch, if you just move it by one, move it by one inch, the force of gravity would so increase that life will be terminated, gone, not be possible. In other words, gravity has been so precisely calibrated for life to exist. And like that, we could talk about the cosmological constant, which is the energy density of space. If it was too big, everything would just be gas. Everything would be in a gaseous state. If it was too low, too small, just a little lesser than what it is, every, all this whole universe would be pulled in, sucked in, and smashed into one single point. So the energy density of space is just keeping everything exactly where it is. Matter exists, and it's so precisely calibrated. And so like gravity, like the cosmological constant, otherwise known as the energy density of space, there are at least 30 other physical constants that can be listed, which are so precise in their values that life is possible. So it just begs us this question. How come that all of these 
concepts are so precisely calibrated. It only points us to somebody who intelligently designed and intentionally positioned, created all these things the way it is. We can also talk about the positioning of the earth and its fitness for life. The fact that the earth is so positioned in this great vast universe, at the right place in this universe, at the right proximity or the distance from the sun, and the sun being the closest star, the biggest star closest to the earth, is so rightly fitted for the earth, for this planet. It's the right composition, right distance. Everything just so perfect. And we say that the earth is so positioned to give fitness for life on this planet. How could that have happened by accident? Or think about the complexity of design. And we can point to so many things to support this point of complexity of design. And we can point, for instance, just as an example, we can point to a single cell. One cell uh, has so many parts in it, and so precisely in, 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 in so precise relationship with each other. And the design of each part of a single cell is so amazing, so complex. If you talk about the cilia, which are the whip-like uh, structures on the cell's surface, and every cell has about 200 cilia, and they work to help move the cell, give it some mobility. Uh, they work to expel foreign particles. And uh, just this cilia has about 200 protein parts, a single hair-like structure on the cell. We're not talking about other parts of the cell. Just one piece of the cell, the cilia has 200 protein parts. And they're so complexly assembled in such a complex manner. There are rods and linkers and motors to have all of these proteins just connected there, placed there. And we can never demonstrate how these things would assemble themselves through some evolutionary process. Never. We can never demonstrate it. Never show it to happen. And so like that, other parts of the cell, of a single cell, are so complex. And what we are saying is that the complexity that we see in these systems, and we're just, you know, talking, mention just one, but there are so many things around us that are so complex in their design. It can only point us to somebody so intelligent, so wise, so full of understanding, who could have brought all of these things together, brought these things about. And not only is there complexity in design, there is also information in design. That means not only are all these pieces so uh, you know, assembled so intricately and in such complexity, but in all of that, there is information, intelligent information. And obviously, you can point to the DNA. You know, are, it's so complex in its structure. But it's carrying what we call genetic information. And if you talk about the DNA discovered there back in 1953 by Watson Crick, there's six feet of genetic information sitting in 100 trillion cells in our body. These 23 pairs of chromosomes giving rise to about, about 30,000 genes that yield uh, as many as 20,500 kinds of proteins. So this genetic information is dictating the production of more than 20,000 proteins in our body. And how are these proteins assembled? The right amino acids, the left-handed amino acids had to be, have to be rightly linked together to give rise to these numerous kinds of proteins that are part of our biological system. And all of this is so mind-boggling that there is so much of intelligent design in such a comp, you know, in, 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 a, in, this, in the structure of the DNA. There's so much of information is there. 
intelligent information that is causing things to take place. Could all of that have happened by chance? Think about this. Somebody put it like this. The probability of even a single protein molecule forming by chance is equivalent to having a big, big box of scrabble pieces and throwing it out on the ground and expecting a beautiful novel, a book to emerge with the title and the chapter titles and all of that, the letters so neatly arranged and having intelligent information to communicate. That's the likelihood of even a single protein molecule coming together by accident or by self-organization or by some process on its own. In other words, it's impossible. You can try throwing those scrabble pieces as many times as you want and you're never going to get an absolutely perfect novel emerge out of that. It's not going to happen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, Verses 33, 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who became His counselor? Who has first given to Him that it would be paid back to Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. I, we just have to acknowledge that from Him and through Him or because of Him and it is to Him or it is for Him that all of these things are in existence. There's just absolutely no other explanation. Just two more thoughts here to point to the existence of a God. Number four, when we look, when we talk about mind, morality, and rationality, these are intangible and yet they point to the invisible creator. The mind, our sense of morality, and rationality, our ability to think and reason. You know, science can tell us that there is a brain and these are the parts of it, of the brain, and this is how the brain functions. But what gives rise to the mind, which is the consciousness of an individual? They have a brain, but they also have a mind. Our physical organs may look the same, but our minds are different. Each one of us has our own set of thoughts and beliefs, passions, emotions, inclinations, and so on. We have the same physical organ, the brain, but there's difference in our mind. And how could this mind or a physical matter have this consciousness? Where did the sense of morality come from. If I were to place a big rock in front of you, would you expect the rock to have a mind? Would you have, expect the rock to have a sense of morality, right and wrong? Would you have, expect the rock to have a sense of rationality? Obviously not. But when we say that this human body which was which came out of dust does have mind morality and rationality we cannot explain how that came in to something that is material like a rock mud dust the only thing we can conclude is that the sense of that the mind, morality, and rationality was given to the created being. And it had to come from the creator. Because lifeless matter itself cannot acquire mind, morality, and rationality. It had to be given, ascribed, or given to it. So if we start out with an intelligent creator, then we can say... That mind, morality, and rationality came into existence because this creator gave those attributes to his creation.
The Bible tells us in Genesis 2 verse 7 that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living person. Genesis 2 verse 7. Number five, the last point here on this is supernatural phenomena. The supernatural confirms the spiritual. And for those of you who have actually observed supernatural phenomena, whether it's a healing miracle, a miracle taking place, somebody is healed supernaturally from a physical condition, or a, 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 an emotional healing that, is taking, that has taken place, or a person who is delivered from demonic powers, the fact that there are demonic powers, and the fact that deliverance happens in the name of Jesus, this is unquestionable. You can see it happening right before your eyes. And this is supernatural phenomena because psychology or psychiatry cannot explain that kind of deliverance. And when a person is supernaturally healed by the power of God, we cannot deny the miracle or their, uh, uh, of what we see. And so the only, that supernatural only confirms the spiritual. God is a spirit. That God exists and he is doing that work. The Bible tells us, you know, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists that he, and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. We have to believe. You know, to observe this supernatural phenomena and to willingly disregard God is not only an intentional rejection of evidence, but a deliberate avoidance of truth. So when somebody sees these miracles and they're still denying the existence of God, they are intentionally rejecting evidence before their eyes and they are deliberately avoiding the truth. But the Bible says you've got to come in faith and believe. So we pointed to five things. One, the existence of the universe. The universe by design. Number three, the fine-tuning of the universe. Number four, mind, morality, and rationality. Number five, there, are super, there is supernatural phenomena. And, and then we want to also mention subjective experiences. That means people have experience. And this is subjective, so we don't put it together as in, in, in this bigger category. But when a person has a personal encounter with God, nobody can question that. Something in his or her life changed. They experienced an answer to prayer. They experienced a divine visitation. Sometimes they had a vision or something powerful, supernatural. That's a, of course a subjective ex experience, but it's experiential. And that's again a powerful evidence to the existence of God. Now, you know, some people ask this question. Who created God? As though that question could eliminate God. They ask, who created God? Well, the fact that somebody asks this question, they are making an assumption. And it's a wrong assumption. The assumption they are making is that God was created. And that's why they ask that question. But the Bible is so emphatic that the God of the Bible is an uncreated God. He is the eternal, self-existent, self-sustaining, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, uncreated creator. So that question, who created God, is a baseless question. It's a meaningless question in the light of the fact that God is uncreated. He's eternal. He's always there. That's why he's God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 verse 28, God says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unsearchable. Three things you see about God here. He's infinite in time. He's the everlasting God. He is infinite in power. He never faints nor grows weary. And he's infinite in understanding. His understanding is unsearchable. So God was not created. He is the eternal self-existent God who is everlasting. 
who's infinite in power or energy and who's infinite in understanding. Now, we humans have a problem because we are finite trying to understand the infinite. I am very limited because I'm a finite being trying to talk about an infinite being. So there's only so much we can communicate. There's only so much you can understand and we can understand. Because the finite is trying to understand the infinite. So in the light of this, think about the atheist who says so emphatically, there is no God. But that is a very strong statement. The atheist is therefore claiming that he or she has searched the entire universe, searched the entire spiritual realm, and found that there was no God. And obviously that's not true. Because nobody has searched the entire universe. So to make a statement, there is no God, is a false statement. It's an unprovable statement. It's an unscientific statement. Because they have not conducted a thorough experiment. A thorough observation. So when a scientist says there is no God, he's being unscientific. Because he has not first conducted a thorough observation to support that statement. An agnostic who says, I don't know there is a God. And that is true. That means he believes there is no God. Because he says, you can't know for sure. But then he believes that statement surely. And that itself is self-contradictory. Because you're saying you can't know for sure, but you're saying in a very sure way, I don't know there is a God. I don't know if there is a God. You're not being open to all of the evidence that is speaking of the existence of God. These, these five things we mentioned are staring each one of us in the face. We don't have to go far. It's right there before us, before our very eyes, that God is. Now the Bible is very strong. In, Proverbs 14, in Psalm 14, 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Think about that. That's very strong. Now, the Bible tells us that God is the eternal, self-existent, uncreated creator. God is infinitely greater than what he created. And yet he reveals himself in part in his creation. Romans 1 and verse 20 says that the invisible attributes of God are revealed to us in his creation so that we are without excuse. And finally, we want to emphasize this point, that God is a personal God who created us for fellowship. God is a personal God, and he created us for fellowship. Now, how can we say that? You see, God must be personal and relational because you and I are personal and relational. We are people. We are relational. We are personal. And we are created in the image of God. And if God gave us those attributes, surely he also is a personal God and a relational God. That means he wants to personally relate with you. God is not an impersonal force out there. He's not a mathematical model. He's not a, he's not a scientific information or a science theory. God is a personal, relational being who wants to relate to you and me in a very personal, relational, intimate, meaningful way. That's the God of the Bible. So, today, we're going to take some time to pray. First of all, I want to pray with those who've been listening and invite you, if you are not already in a personal relationship with Creator God. This God of this universe wants to be your God. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Now, the Bible teaches us that our sin, our wrongdoing, 
keeps us, distances us from a holy God. But yet the Bible tells us that God, who came in the person of Jesus Christ, he paid for our sins so that he could forgive our sins and he could bring us into that personal relationship with God. So the way to entering into this personal, intimate relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. That when you and I embrace Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior and say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive my sins, then He brings us into this personal, intimate relationship with God. So we're going to pray for that first. And then... We also want to pray for the needs of people. This same Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. In the Bible, we see Jesus healing the sick. He opened blind eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He made the dumb to speak and the lame to walk. He healed people of all manner of sicknesses and diseases. And he does the same today. Through his name and through the power of his spirit and through the power of his holy word, he does the same. So we're going to pray for that a little later after we first pray for people who need to come into a relationship with God. So I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. If you're watching the listening and you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, and that you are in a personal relationship with God. But today, after hearing this message, you are convinced that there is a God who created this universe. And that you want to come into a relationship with Him. Then I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And you will experience the greatest miracle in your life. Inside you, Jesus Christ will give life and bring you into the family of God. All you've got to do is to say this simple prayer with me. Let's pray together. Just say this with me. If you've never done this before in your life, pray this prayer. Or if you need to come back to the Lord, you've backslidden, you've gone away from the faith, and today you heard this message, and you're convinced and convicted that you need to return to God, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash my sins away. Come into my life. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you pray this prayer with me for the very first time or if you prayed this prayer in order to rededicate your life, to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd love to hear from you. Right now on the live chat, you could type your name and your city and just say, I prayed that prayer. Or you could go to our church website, just go to that same apcw.org slash ftv, fill in your details there and tell us, I prayed that prayer. Or you could just send an email to testimony at apcw.org and say, I pray that prayer. Whichever is convenient for you, please do that. We want to just know that there have been people who have been touched and impacted and who have given their lives to Jesus today through this online service. We're going to take time to pray for people uh, who need healing, who need deliverance, who need a miracle in their lives. Jesus Christ is the one who turned the water to wine. He's the one who multiplied five loaves and two fish and fed a multitude. He's the one who calmed the storm. He's the one who did amazing miracles and he does the same today. He said, in my name, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said, in my name, you drive out demons. He said, in my name, there will be miracles that take place. And that's exactly what happens. I'm going to pray from here. And wherever you are, wherever you're watching, agree with me. Your faith is what touches you to God. You see, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 20, on one occasion when Jesus was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, they were taking the road and there were two blind men sitting by the wayside. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about all the miracles that Jesus had done. And that particular day, they heard that Jesus was passing by. And when these two blind men heard it, they cried out, the Bible says, Lost. 
Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. They cried out. Now the crowd of people who are all around Jesus, they told these two blind men, keep quiet. But the Bible says they cried out all the more. You see, they didn't let people's opinions shut them up. They didn't let what people said quieten them down. They cried all the more. They wanted to reach, reach out to Jesus. They wanted to touch Jesus. And the Bible says, so, that means when they cried out even louder, Jesus stood still. Jesus paused. And Jesus asked these two blind men a very simple but a very shocking question. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? You know, that is something that might have seemed very obvious. They are blind. They need their sight. But Jesus wanted them to express exactly, precisely what they wanted. He asked them the question, what do you want me to do for you? If Jesus was here today and he was, if he was speaking to you, he would ask you the same question. What do you want me to do for you? Listen, he didn't ask them, you know, uh, in a, should we just leave it to chance? Should we just leave it to, you know, God's will? No, 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 no. What do you want? I mean, what's in your heart? What do you make up your mind on that you want God to do for you? You see, sometimes we think we are waiting on God when really God is waiting on us. God is asking you the question, what do you want me to do for you? Many times you and I are praying, saying, God, whatever you want. God says, whatever you want is not on my, you know, not just anything random. What do you want? Specify it. Ask for it. Tell it. If you need healing in your body, ask Jesus. Lord, that's what I need. <coughs> Sorry. A little water. God, this is the healing that I need. This is the miracle that I need. This is the provision that I need. This is, this, uh, uh, this is the intervention I need in my life. That's what I need. And when these two blind men said, Lord, that we may receive our sight. They went from a general cry, have mercy on us, to a specific request. Ha, we need our sight. And today, you need to move from some general random prayer to a very specific request and say, Lord, this is what I want. I want this. This is what I need. The Lord wants you to ask. The Lord wants you to spell out your need. Spell out your request. This is what I need. And the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. He touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. So I want to challenge you. Be like those two blind men. Move from some gentle request of Lord have mercy to a very specific request. Lord, I want my sight. Lord, I want to be healed of this cancer. Lord, I want my... This, this, this tumor to disappear. God, I want this chronic condition in my body to be taken up. God, I want this bondage to this addiction to be broken. God, I want this torment in my mind to stop. God, I want peace in my home. God, I want my children back in the kingdom. Whatever it is, I want you to ask that specific request because Jesus Christ is right there with you and me because we're calling on his name. Now, Jesus said, when you are in, gathered together in my name, I am there. He is with you as you call upon his name. We're going to pray. And I want you to believe God. Believe Jesus. You know, while I was praying this morning in my room, I saw a picture of a man who had a, who had a, a leg uh, from his knee below. He couldn't move. He had a problem in his knee and from, uh, uh, most likely it's the right knee, but it doesn't matter if you have a problem in your left knee. But he couldn't move. He was sitting on a chair and unable to walk. And I just felt that today in this prayer time, I should tell this person to begin to move. Begin to move your leg. Maybe it was surgery done on your leg. Maybe it was some you know impact on your knee that has left you crippled and you've never been able to walk since that time or since that surgery but right now begin to move that leg begin to move that knee and then begin to with the help of people or by yourself begin to stand up on your feet and begin to do it and may, may the Lord heal you may the Lord deliver you may the Lord restore your movement and your mobility completely and we want to hear from you 
But we want to hear that the Lord Jesus Christ has healed you, has delivered you. Let's pray right now. Just place your hand on that part of your body that you want Jesus to heal. If it's something emotional, place it on your mind. If it is something physical, place it on your body. Or maybe, you know, you pray, put your hands on the pictures of your family members that you want the Lord to touch right now in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let the healing power of God touch people right where they are. Holy Spirit. Spirit, we ask you that your healing power, your healing virtue, your anointing break every yoke and cast off every burden from the lives of people right now. In the name of Jesus, let every sickness be healed. Let tumors disappear. Let cancers disappear. Let blood conditions, problems in the blood just suddenly disappear because of your presence, because of your anointing, because of your healing. And God, for people to be healed, of every sickness, every disease, chronic illnesses, diabetic conditions, arthritic conditions, Lord, uh, 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 conditions where people are unable to move. Uh, they are locked into their wheelchairs. Let them today rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your healing power. And Lord, even touch conditions that are genetic in nature. Let the very genes be affected and uh, readjusted and made whole so that even genetic disorders are healed right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let people receive their healing, God. And Lord, we pray that as they go back to the doctors to get checked, to get for investigations to be done, let them get a good report. Let them get good news, knowing that God has healed them, that you have delivered them, because today is their day of healing, their day of deliverance, in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you, Lord, for doing it. Amen and amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being with us on the service today. Uh, are we going to close right now? I'm just going to pronounce the benediction. Now, what we encourage you to do uh, is when you experience a healing and answer to prayer and so on, send us a testimony. Just send an email to testimony at apcwo.org. Send us an email. Share with us what the Lord has done. And we will be happy to share that out with, with others. And of course, we keep the names of people confidential so we don't disclose that. But in a, in, in a, in a nice way, we communicate those testimonies with others so we can all rejoice together. We're going to close. I want to remind you, those of you who are in Bangalore, come out, join our services. We have five locations in Bangalore. And uh, next Sunday, APC Central will resume meeting at St. Joseph's College of Law on Residency Road, 10.30 service. And also from the middle of October, October 16th, we'll have two services happening at Central, 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. All our other locations will also keep growing and increasing. So go to our church website, keep in touch with uh, the latest details on our services, timings, and locations. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet, empowering fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.